going to look at um, two different passages. First, we're going to look at Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And these are going to be lengthy readings, so I'm going to take it easy on you, all right? And we're not going to stand. Uh, but uh, I, I want you to get, again, I want you to get the Word of God uh, because th this is good stuff. So Peter's uh, line here that we're uh, focusing in on, these famous sayings, uh, this morning, of course, was the Hebrew children. We're not careful, O king, to answer you in this manner. I can tell you as a person with, I believe, the spiritual gift of prophecy, and no, in 2023, that does not mean that I have the ability to foretell, but I believe that uh, I have the ability to forthtell. I can apply Scripture supernaturally, if you will, through God's power to a particular situation. And when you ask yourself, uh, what would be a good gift for a preacher to have, that, that's a pretty good one, you know, or the teaching gift. Uh, or the exhortation gift and the such. With that said, uh, you know the spiritual gifts that we've been given. We're not supposed to ignore the others. We're supposed to cultivate all seven in the Romans 12 passage motivational gifts. As a prophet that sees black and white, loves an opportunity to confront, in my mind's eye, I would love an opportunity to stand up to a king and say, we're not careful, O king, to answer you in this manner. But I can tell you, if that really happened, I'd probably be in a corner somewhere, you know, in the infant's, you know, position, begging God for help. And so uh, I I'm thrilled that we have the Hebrew children's example of preparing an answer before you need it. And that's what we tried to share this morning. So tonight, Sunday, July the 2nd, understanding what life is all about. And I know to some level that's cliche, but it's extremely important that we not allow ourselves to fall into that. Remember, familiarity breeds contempt. So you've got to fight that. You've got to realize that this is not just a Baptist saying. It's not just a Christian saying. It's the truth. What is life all about? About. So we're going to read these passages, and then we're going to tell you, in my humble opinion, what I believe Peter is trying to communicate to us what life is all about. I actually didn't even put in the entire uh, passage in the iPad, so I'm going to read from the book here. Uh, so we're at Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Just a little backstory: story. Uh, Jesus has ascended. Before he ascended, he told the 120, you tarry. You tarry, and I'm going to send the comforter. And when I send the comforter, you're going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. So that happened. The Holy Spirit descended upon the 120. They had cloven tongues of fire. That was a manifestation they started preaching the gospel. Peter went out. This was during Pentecost, so there was thousands upon thousands of people there, and they preached the gospel, and on that day, 3,000 people came to know Christ as Savior. Well, this is just a few days after that. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily 
at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Now, this is extremely important to understand and know about the customs of the Jewish time. You see, this man could not work. It was his family's responsibility to take care of him, but it was understood that God still blessed a work ethic and many families, it was just an understood cultural thing, they would bring their lame and uh, disabled to a place where people would be at and they would lovingly, respectfully ask for help. And then it's your option. It's a free will love offering. But this is this person that can't do anything else doing his part to pay for his bills so that his family is not completely under the load. That was an interesting uh, approach when I read that years ago now when we went through Acts together, learned that through John uh, Maxwell, not John Maxwell, John MacArthur, there we go. Verse 3, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, This is the famous saying for tonight Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Imagine something that you have not been able to do since birth, and now all of a sudden you can do it. You're going to do a lot of it. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. Here he was. This is good stuff. And as the lame man which was healed, held Peter and John. All the people ran together. He was sitting there just hugging on them. They ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. Now, so, I mean, all of a sudden we've went from just, if you will, a simple healing to now we're having a, we're having a situation. These, these people are amazed. And perhaps... Hundreds are starting to gather around Peter and John. Look at verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Now, this is before sensitivity training, and I'm not trying to be mean. This is before we got so mature that we never brought anything up that would offend. And Peter is trying to make sure that these people know who is responsible for this healing. Verse 14, But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses, and his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know." Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. In other words, Peter is preaching the gospel. Peter, unashamed. Peter, the one that denied Christ three times. He is shucking it right down to the cob. And he's loving these people enough to tell them the unadulterated truth. You blew it when you had an opportunity to stand up for an innocent man. You chose Barabbas. Verse 15. 
And then you cheered when Pilate put his thumb down and turned on Jesus. But that same Jesus has risen from the dead that we are eyewitnesses of. And I'm telling you right now, once this man expressed faith, Jesus healed him. And that's why he has soundness in his bones in the presence of you all. Look at verse 17. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. In other words, I, I know, I know that you guys just joined the crowd, but those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Look at verse 19. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Can you remember that time you got refreshed when you came to the Lord? You repented of your sins, you accepted what Jesus did, and oh my goodness, you never breathed deeper, you never slept better in the such, and praise God for that. Look at verse 20. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive unto the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, a prophet shall the Lord your God rise up, raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, that, that's the bad news, good news, church. Yea, all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days, ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Now, what's Peter doing? Peter is sharing to this group, that were shocked and amazed by the healing. What's the most important thing about life? What life is all about. Look at chapter 4. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now even tied. How be it? Many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men was about 5,000. Now, just a little aside, okay, this is extra. Your, your tithes and offerings didn't pay for this, okay? This is extra. You hear people say, well, I want to go to a small church. I don't want to go to a big church. You'd have been in a mess at the first church of Jerusalem because it went from 120 to 3,000. 3,120 in one day. Then it went from 3,000 to 8,000 after this. Now watch this. Men. That doesn't count the women and children that also came to Christ. We're talking 15 to 20, if not 30 to 50, because these families didn't have small families. They had eight and nine kids. And when they, I'm telling you, this church, there's really not a good word for it other than experience loaded as a result of what God did through his uh, apostles. So, look at now. Turn with me, please, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. We're just soaking in the word. It's okay to do this. 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to start. Well, let's start with verse 3. 
blessed be the God and Father. And now notice, let's back up to verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. What? What happened? From Acts chapter 3 to 1 Peter chapter 1, something has happened. All of these, you know, let's just say for the sake of, uh, you know, reality, possibly forty to 50,000 people have now been scattered because of persecution. You know, remember, they killed James, and they put Peter in prison and intended to kill him. So, folks, I mean, I'm telling you right now, Stuff like that starts happening. They come in here as a government and take out the preacher uh, and the youth pastor. Y'all better hide. <laughs> and it's okay. It's called the underground church. China has been doing it for years. And they'll tell you that, oh, yeah, we've got churches and they're doing great. But what's doing even better is the underground church in China because they're seeing in real time what people are giving up for Jesus Christ. People are literally dying for Jesus Christ, and the gospel is exploding as a result. You won't hear that on CNN tonight, but you will hear it on the voice of the martyrs, and you will hear it from people that know that are on the ground, boots on the ground, if you will. And so Peter is talking to the Christians that have been scattered throughout the world because of persecution. And now back to verse 3. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm telling you what is the most important thing about life. Verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. This is what mama is experiencing. This is what your loved ones are experiencing who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, 2023, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Folks, we have loads. We have uh, baggage we have persecutions going on in this nation. And uh, Peter is trying to basically say, I, I know, you're going through some tough times. Look here at verse 8. Whom having not seen, oh, no, no, I skipped verse 7. That, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whoming have not seen ye love, and whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, you got to ask yourself, if you're not having some of those moments during this time of life, why not? Why are we not having some moments where we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory? Because we should know what life is all about. Look at verse 9. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation, the prophets, and remember he spoke about that in Acts chapter 3, have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what? Or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, 
they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Now, I'm almost done reading the, the scripture here. Peter is saying, you, you folks that have been scattered, and yes, you that are now living, are living the end result of what the Old Testament prophets have preached all of their days, and that is, is that Jesus Christ came in flesh to save the world. Now look at verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, last out. Don't burn out. Don't burn out. Last out. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. Don't get caught up in the lusts of this world. Verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That word conversation means manner of life because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear for as much as ye know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things. Here it is as silver and gold. I believe Peter's mind went back to that time in the temple when he saw that man healed by Jesus Christ. From your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained because the foundation, sorry, before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Now, it's probably Sunday night's the best time to go into a 15-minute scripture reading because you folks wouldn't be here if you didn't want to be here, all right? Now, I've told you many, many times, I am not ashamed of reading the Word of God in a lengthy passage because what God has to say is so much more important than what I'm going to add to it. But He has ordained the foolishness of preaching to confound the wise. And I know who I'm, who I'm preaching to here. I'm preaching to some wise folks. And I want you to listen to these simple points to help us understand what life is all about. This is what Peter is trying to tell us in these two passages, and this is what Peter understood. I, before we get into it, I want to ask you the question, why did Peter deny Jesus three times? That's a rhetorical question. I'm going to answer it, but I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think on it. You see, Peter had not yet completely, fully, totally realized what life was all about. When he's standing there, at the fire, trying to figure out what's going on. And the lady says, aren't you Peter? Aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? Look, lady, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm not who you think I am. Why would he do that? I mean, he had professed to Jesus, you are the Messiah. Who else can we look to? But yet, there's something going on in Peter's life. You know what it is? He doesn't want to go through this. And he's thinking, by all intents and purposes, by everything that I can figure, they're getting ready to kill 
my leader. If they kill my leader, what do you think they're going to do to his followers? No, 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 no. You got me confused. And he does that three times. He's still struggling with what life is all about. And so Jesus goes to the cross. He resurrects in three days. Peter's one of the first ones to see the empty tomb. Jesus restores Peter. Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. And now Peter cannot be stopped. You know why? Because he sees it. He sees it. No other person, no other place, heaven, no other purpose is worth your life. But this is. Jesus is worth your life. Heaven is worth your life. The purpose, the transcendent cause of sharing the gospel with everyone that you know is worth your life. I'll read it. I I write it sometimes better than I can preach it. Peter knew that life was more than the amassing of things. Peter knew that life is about a love relationship with God that is real and personal. That's what life is all about. Point number one, the application. When you and I, and, and we're, we're going to read these and say a little bit, but we're, we're almost done. I wanted you to hear what Peter experienced. Silver and gold have I none. Church, the rest of this world, despite every person that knows Jesus Christ and they know what life is all about, every other person believes that this life is about power, fame, money, possessions, and they're wrong. They're 100% wrong. Now, we shouldn't put them down for that. We shouldn't ridicule them for that. We should try to help them understand that that's wrong. And you and I know what the truth is. So what's the application? When you understand what life is all about, it puts everything else in perspective. And that happens on a daily basis. On a daily basis, I can't speak for you, but oh my goodness, my stress levels have been through the roof in the last few weeks, and that's on me. Because I know that life is not about that particular situation that I'm struggling with, that I'm fearing, that I'm worrying about. Life is about a personal love relationship with Jesus that's real and personal, and he will get me through this situation. Relax. You know, Aaron, uh, quarterback, Rogers, there we go. Y'all like that? It's pretty good with it. Aaron Rodgers is famous for telling his crowd, R-E-L-A-X. And then he's went on to have some of the worst football seasons in the the history of the Packers. But the point is, is that this applies for you and I. When we're going through the stress of our day, when we're going through the meat grinder, if you will, of our day, if we'll just stop and realize, whoa, 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 whoa. The most important thing about life is where I stand with Jesus Christ. And when I woke up this morning, he and I, we had a good time together. Everything's good. Lord, help me. You see, your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in your life. Therefore, Jesus is allowed to make your decisions. It forces every decision to line up with what life is all about. I can't say it any better than that. When you understand what life is all about, a love relationship with God that is real and personal, it forces every decision to line up with what life is all about. 
Now, one of the, some of the best advice I've ever heard is from my father. When you have two decisions in front of you, which one should you do? Well, as you pray about it, the Holy Spirit is going to make it clear that one of these decisions will bring more glory to God than the other one. What is life all about? A personal love relationship with God that's real and personal. Point number two, what is the result? Please hear me on this. Jesus keeps you from making unholy decisions. Now, I struggled for years in particular sins, and I'm not telling you that I'm still not tempted. I am, but I don't struggle with them the way I used to because as a result of age, maturity, the Word of God, men and women that have invested in me, I have gotten this. Jesus keeps you from making unholy decisions. The Scripture says in, I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, uh, casting down false imaginations. And literally what it says to do is bringing into captivity your thoughts. So I have translated that into this idea. You take the chain of your will, you wrap it around the neck of that thought, you drag it into the throne room of where Jesus sits on the throne of your heart, and you ask him, can I fellowship with this or no? And if it is a sin to fellowship with that thought, you know what Jesus is going to do. And you and I going through that discipline will give us what we need. Jesus keeps you from making unholy decisions. Be under the result. Jesus keeps you from making selfish decisions. Selfishness is one of the biggest struggles that we have that affects everything. It affects volunteerism in a church. It affects people loving one another, even though things get difficult, and just fill in the blank. It affects home. It affects work. It affects friendships. Jesus keeps us from making selfish decisions when we know what life is all about. C, Jesus leads you to care what others need and think. It's one thing to say, no, I'm not going to do that because it's selfish. And then it's another, I am going to do this, though, because it's selfless, and I can help that person do this, that, or the other. The core principle, loving God, loving others. If that never translates into actions, then we're just speaking words. We've got to be able to point to some actions. Some of those uh, ordained good works that God has created us for. Lastly, so that would be A, B, C, D. Jesus leads to peaceful rests and energetic days. Now, I'm 58. <laughs> so those energetic days don't look like 25 energetic days. But still, I can tell you, and I think I even shared this with my wife, uh, when I came out of the fog of that sinus infection, praise the Lord for augmenting and the such, I, I couldn't put into words the difference, the energy level that I had, the excitement that I had. Jesus, when you and I know what life is all about, he gives us peaceful rests and energetic days. I want to do, Lord, what you want me to do. I want to accomplish what you want me to accomplish. Now, my 58-year-old-ism looks at the next few weeks and goes, Oh, Lord, 
But the Spirit of God in me says, look what we get to do. Look what we get to do. I haven't shared this with the church because it was basically made the decision this last week. But um, I have the opportunity to preach at Spring Bluff, which is the Southern Baptist Camp, third to sixth grade boys. And so I'm excited about that to no end. So we've got this week to prepare for our camp, that camp, and the such. And then we'll do those two camps and, you know, uh, pass out somewhere. But uh, you, you pray for me. You pray for this church. We have some amazing opportunities coming up uh, with church camp. Uh, Brother Brad said our numbers are looking great. We got lots of folks from this church and this fellowship going to church camp. We need to be praying. We need to be asking God to prepare the preachers to uh, bring glory to his name in this situation. Because watch this. What's life about? A personal relationship with God that is real and personal. I said that twice, didn't I? Let's all stand. Musicians, will you come? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. If you're here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, which that would be an unlikely thing for a Sunday night crowd, but you never know, I'm begging you to come forward. We'll send you a someone gender appropriate. They'll share the gospel with you. Maybe you just want to turn this into an old-fashioned altar and come. Uh, please, whatever the need case may be, will you come?